And we'll begin reading with verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love which he has, with which he hath loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ, in order that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not as a result of works, that no one should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I particularly want to emphasize verse 10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Well, I want to look just briefly this evening at the subject of good works in the Christian's life. We are God's workmanship, we're told here in this verse, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Do you ever think of yourself that way? That you were created, especially recreated in Christ Jesus for good works. Now to kind of lead into this, I want to give you a quote that I heard on the radio the other day that I thought was quite thought-provoking and worthy of meditation and thought. It said this, If you don't know the purpose of a thing, you'll eventually abuse it. Now, think about that. If you don't know the purpose of a thing, you'll eventually abuse it because you don't know what it's for, you see. You'll use it for wrong purposes. I really think that's pretty profound thought. And the person that presented this uh, on the radio was using it in the context of marriage. If you don't know what marriage is all about, eventually you'll abuse the whole institution of marriage. And if you don't know the purpose of a husband or the purpose of a wife, you will eventually not do right by your husband or wife because you don't know the real purpose uh, of what uh, marriage and and, uh, husband and wife relationship is supposed to be. So... Uh, that's the way he was using this. But I, I think this is not just a truth related to marriage. I think it's a general principle in every area of life. For instance, if you don't know the purpose of the earth, uh, the earth that we live on, you'll eventually abuse it. And if you don't know the purpose of humanity, you will eventually abuse humanity. You see this happening all the time with the earth, with with mankind. And even personally, if you don't know the purpose of your own existence, you will eventually abuse your own life. So, 
what is the purpose of life, what is the purpose of the universe, what is the purpose of my life, what's the purpose of your life, what's the purpose of humanity. Well, we know that famous saying from the shorter catechism, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Um, and I was thinking about that. You know, in one way it's uh, true, actually, the chief end of all of creation is to glorify God. Uh, but for man, made in God's image, we have a unique responsibility and privilege of, uh, of being able to glorify God in a personal way that the inanimate creation can't. Um, the unconscious creation can't uh, glorify God the way us as people made in his image can and, they, and, and the sunset can't enjoy God forever, which is part of what we're called to and have the privilege of entering into enjoying God forever. Another way of saying this, expanding on it a little bit, is that our purpose is to be in a loving relationship with God and his creation, especially that part of his creation which was made in his image, in other words, other, other people, other fellow human beings. So, if we think about creation, we can say that in general, uh, apart from where sin has marred creation, creation in general does a pretty good job of glorifying God. Uh, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament show forth his handiwork. And then Paul tells us, since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen through what has been made. So this creation around us, apart from sin, but just in general, this creation around us uh, shows forth the artistry, the workmanship, the beautiful design uh, of its creator. But what about humanity? What about this portion of creation that was made especially in the image of God? Um, we were made to glorify God really in a much greater way than the unconscious creation could possibly glorify God. Uh, we were made to show forth his amazing and wonderful workmanship. Uh, that's if you want to know we're talking about what the, our purpose is our purpose is to show forth uh, the wonder and the glory of our creator um, so what I'd like to do here from this portion of scripture that we're looking at here I'd like to spend some time this evening examining one of the main ways the Bible says we can glorify and show forth the workmanship of our Creator. And that is by doing good works. And that's what it says here. We, we were created in Christ Jesus for good works. We're His workmanship. We've been saved by grace through faith in order that we might show the riches of His grace throughout eternity, but also right now here in time, we are to reflect something of our Creator in our way of living, in our good works, um, even now in this life. 
were his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. We are saved not by good works, but for good works. Saved by grace for good works. If you want to sum up the Christian life, say in this life anyway, for sure, saved by grace for good works to show forth his glory. That's what Jesus said. He said, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. And then he said this, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. You might think of it this way. When you look at a sunset or some beautiful scene in the heavens, that shows something of the glory of God. Paul told us that. That's clear in the scriptures. The heavens declare the glory of God. That shows something of the glory of God. But you as a Christian doing good works in this world are a much greater light to the world, showing forth the workmanship of God. As a Christian, showing forth the, work of, the, the workmanship of God in your life, you're showing, you're giving light to the world much more than the sun or the moon or the stars do and as they're declaring the glory of God because you're showing forth something personal, you see. The, the, uh, the personality of a loving God comes through as we're doing good works uh, in this world. Good works created in Christ Jesus for good works. Now, this little phrase, we are his workmanship. Uh, I brought this out before a number of years ago, but I think it's worth remembering again here. This word workmanship comes from a Greek word, poema, probably not pronouncing it right, P-O-I-E-M-A, from which we get our English word poem. We're God's poetry, you see. We're God's poem. And it denotes that which is skillfully made. You know, here we have thousands of words in the English language or whatever language you want to talk about. And we use them and sometimes don't do a very good job of it. But a person that's a poet can take those words and weave them into something beautiful. And he makes a poem out of it, you see. Well, that's what God does with our lives. He's the artist. He's the, the, the master maker of poetry. But, he, but he's working in our lives to do that, you see. Uh, now, here's the amazing thing. Well, I, I mean, that's amazing enough. But Paul uses this same word. This is a word that he uses in Romans chapter 1, verse 20. I just quoted it a little bit ago, just briefly. But where he, he's talking about the creation... And where it says here, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made. And that word has been made or made there, that's the word, the same word, poema or however you say it. It's a poem, you see. It's, it's God's artistic design that he's put into the universe, but he's, 
Much more he's put it into our lives as Christians, you see, were his workmanship. One writer put it this way, God has written two poetic masterpieces, one in the physical creation, the, the world around us, heavens declaring the glory of God, the other in the lives of men and women redeemed and saved by grace. Two poetic masterpieces. And by far the greater one is the one he's done in your life and my life if we're Christians. <clears throat> we were created or recreated as Christians in Christ for good works. So another way of saying this is that Christians are designed by their wonder-working creator to glorify him through good works. We're designed by our glorious creator to glorify him through good works. This thing of good works comes out so often in the New Testament. It's incredible when you start looking up the verses uh, on this. So I'm just going to share a few of them with you here real quickly. <clears throat> we won't look them up. I'll just read them to you here. Colossians 1.9. This is a prayer. For this reason also since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So we're to be bearing fruit in every good work. Paul was praying for that. First uh, Timothy 6.17, Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works. If you've got some riches, well, here's what to do with them. Be rich in good works. And he talks a little about what that means. To be generous, ready to share, storing up for yourselves a treasure of a good foundation for the future. Uh, Titus 2.6. Likewise, urge young men to be sensible. In all things, show yourself to be an example of good deeds. So in all things, be an example, especially you young men. Be examples of good deeds. Titus 2.11, this is for all of us, not just young men, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires, and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed, and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. He, he takes us out of the lawless deeds and brings us into a position where we are to be zealous for good deeds. So, zeal in this area of good deeds. Titus 3.1, remind them to be subject to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good deed, to malign no one. To be peaceable, gentle, showing cons every consideration for all men. Titus 3.8, this is a trustworthy statement, and concerning these things I want to, want to speak confidently so that those who have believed in God will be careful to engage 
in good deeds. Have you believed in God? Well, then you should be careful to engage in good deeds. And then he goes, I skip a line or two here, and then verse 14 he says, Our people must also learn to engage in good deeds, to meet pressing needs, so that they may not be unfruitful. Our people, well, that means Christians. Christians must learn to engage in good deeds, to meet pressing needs. Uh, Hebrews 10.24, Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. And <clears throat> Hebrews 13.16, And do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. There's some sacrifices in the Old Testament that God had people do, but now in the New Testament, what are our sacrifices? Well, part of them have to do with uh, do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. <clears throat> and then lastly, although we could look at others, Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. Keep your behavior excellent among Gentiles, among the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. <clears throat> they are looking at you, you know. People are looking at you, wondering what this thing of Christianity really is all about and if it's real. Well, one of the ways... One of the things that they should observe is our good deeds because of your good deeds as they observe them. <clears throat> so, that's a few verses related to this thing of good deeds in, in the scriptures just telling us that we're to be... Well, let me, let me just do this. I, I highlighted them here. Bearing fruit in every good deed rich in good works. Be examples of good deeds. We should be zealous for good deeds. Be ready for every good deed. Be careful to engage in good deeds. Our people must also learn to engage in good deeds. Stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Do not neglect, neglect doing good because of your good deeds as they observe them. I mean, it's not a minor theme of the New Testament. Uh, or let's say it that way. So, what should come to mind when we think of these good works, these good deeds? Well, I wanted to give you a few examples from the New Testament, from the early church. Others could be mentioned, but here's just a few. Let's turn to Matthew 25. <clears throat> this actually has to do with the day of judgment but Christ is talking about when he comes again in his glory and all the nations are before him and he says this then the king 2534 then the king will say to those on his right come you who are blessed of my father inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was, I was uh, sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. 
Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you and, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you as stranger and invite you in or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick and in prison and come to you? The king will answer and say to, to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of the least of these brothers of mine, even to the least of them, you did it to me. So the, the good deeds here have to do with being concerned for the welfare of our fellow Christians, looking out for them, caring for them, uh, seeing where there's a need and trying to meet that need. Um, and Christ says, if you're doing it to them, you're really doing it to me and for me. Um, so the, the welfare, just the, the general welfare of one another, that's one of the things we should think about in this area of good deeds. Acts chapter 9. Here was a disciple, uh, a lady named Tabitha, also named Dorcas, and she was a woman, 936. She was a woman that it says this woman was abounding in deeds of kindness and charity. So kindness and charity are some of the deeds that we should think about. And uh, we won't read all the way through this, but as you read down there, they, they, were sent, they sent for Peter. Uh, and because she had fallen sick and died, and they sent for Peter. But it says this, So Peter arose and went to them. When he arrived, they brought him into the upper room, and all the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing all the tunics and garments that Dorcas used to make while she was with them. What's that saying? Well, that she, she abounded in deeds of kindness and charity. What? That was a very practical thing she was doing. She was making clothes for people, the tunics and garments she'd made. So um, now we don't make tunics anymore, but we, we can, in that type of very practical thing, be doing good deeds for one another. Again, it's a concern for, for the welfare of one another. Um, First Timothy, this one goes kind of along with that. First Timothy, chapter 5. Um, verse 9. Let a widow be put on the list only if she is not less than 60 years old, having been the wife of one man, having a reputation for good works. There's this thing of good works or good deeds. Then this word and, which is supplied, I, I think really what, what he's doing here is expanding on what he means by these good works. If you leave the word and out, having a reputation for good works, if she has brought up children, if she has shown hospitality to strangers, if she has washed the saints' feet, if she has assisted those in distress, and if she has devoted herself to every good work. In other words, those are the type of things that we should think about when we think of, of good works. 
Um, she has a reputation for good works, and that includes being diligent and bringing up her children in a godly manner, showing hospitality to strangers, washing the saints' feet, assist those in distress, devoted herself to every good work. I'm just trying to, you know, get some flesh and blood on this thing of good deeds. We talk about it. It's in the scriptures a lot. What's, what were the real outworkings of this in the New Testament church? Well, I think there's some of them right there. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. <clears throat> Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse eight. Now, you really have to go back and read the context here, but the context has to do with sharing, uh, I think, monetarily with those in need. He's, Paul's talking about his uh, this uh, previously promised bountiful gift that they were going to send. Um, for those that were in need. And in that context, then, he says this, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, that always, having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. Especially, he's talking here about sharing financially, helping one another when there's a, uh, a genuine need and we're able to help out. Um, that was the context. So some of this good good works that we're talking about, these good deeds, have to do with um, helping in that manner. Um, similar In a similar vein, Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 10, For God is not unjust so as to forget your work, about good works and love which you have shown towards his name in having ministered and still ministering to the saints. So here was some people that had ministered, served the saints. And, and the writer of Hebrews says God's not unjust to forget that work. Um, and there's some really good ones to ponder in James. Uh, so James chapter 1 if anyone thinks verse 26 126 of James if anyone thinks himself to be religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart this man's religion is worthless so you might say one of the good works that we're to do is not talk so much but he also goes on, This is pure and undefiled religion in the sight of God and our God and Father to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. So one of the things that was big here in, in James's mind in this area of, of deeds, good deeds or good works, was visiting the orphans and the widows in their distress. And I think, it, you know, it wasn't just that. It, distress amongst any of the 
the brothers, or distress in general is something that should pull forth something from our hearts and, and lives to try to uh, relieve that distress. Um, chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. <clears throat> if a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, and yet do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? So in other words, he's talking about you're so spiritual here, you're going to give them a wonderful spiritual word of encouragement, but you don't do anything to actually help them physically. And, and uh, James is saying, well, uh, is that real faith? Is that, uh, or what good is that, you know? So a practical area there. Um, 3.13 of James. Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. <clears throat> good behavior. Good behavior is a good deed. And um, he talks about the gentleness of wisdom. If you have any real wisdom from God, it's going to show forth in a peaceable, gentle, um, hum, humble um, meekness that people will see. People will realize there's something different about this person. Um, and then Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. And verse 12 I'm going to read a whole section here. There's many things in this section that fit into this area of good deeds, but the reason I'm reading it is particularly for the last verse, verse 17. But let's just read through it here, verse, beginning with verse 12. And so, as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Those are all things that would show forth... Uh, a difference from the way the world operates. Bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. And beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. And then this especially, all these things, uh, you know, are aspects of, of good works in our life. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him, to God the Father. In other words, if, if we're really going to bring glory to God, we have to let people know why we do what we do. It's not enough just to do the deed, but somewhere along the line, they've got to realize, hey, that came forth because of, of God's workmanship in that person's life. Um, I remember a, a friend of mine 
someone was really commending him for the way he, he had raised his family. And, uh, well, you know, that could all come back to just real great parenting skills. But his answer to that was, he said, listen, it's all of grace. And people need to realize, you know, when they see something of this workmanship of God in, their li- in our lives through good, good deeds, through good works, it's not us. It's God working in us. It's the workmanship of God. That's what we're talking about. We're the poetry of God, but we didn't write the poem. He wrote the poem. Spurgeon gave an example, if I can remember how he put it. He said, if you see an artist with his palette, with all these splotches of paint on it, um, then you look at the, art, the, the finished product, it's, that's so beautiful. Well, it's not beautiful because of the splotches of paint. It's not beautiful because of the paintbrush. It's beautiful because of the artist, the talent, the skill, the grace of the artist that put those paints onto the canvas. In other words, it's not us. It's the, it's the, it's the artist. It's, it's the one who d- made the poetry that needs to be glorified, not us. So I, I read all this. This section here, which brings out a lot of these good deeds, to say that somewhere in the midst of all this, we need to let people know that that it's the Lord giving thanks through him to God the Father. Uh, We have to beware... Jesus talked about this. We have to beware of practicing our righteousness before men in order to be seen by them. That's not what we're talking about here. Doing something to show off our righteousness instead of talking about the grace, the glory, and the goodness of God that's the source of these things, the source of these good works. One man said this. He said, Although disciples are to be seen doing good works, they must not do good works in order to be seen. There's a big difference, you see. We want people to see our good works so that they might glorify the Father who is in heaven. But we don't want to be seen as people who just do good works. Well, in all of this, Christ is our example, isn't he? We're told that he went about doing good. That's one of the descriptions of Christ in the book of Acts. He said he, he went about doing good. As we read the scriptures concerning his ways and his word and his will for the church, we will be equipped for every good work. That's really what, uh, how that whole section on the inspiration of the scriptures ends. It says, all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequately, that may be adequate, equipped for every good work. If you're going to know about these good works, you need to know the scriptures. They're there to equip us for every good work. And part of that, that comes by just seeing more of Christ. As we look into the scriptures, we see more of Christ. We see what he's like. And it brings forth that fruit in our lives. Um, 
I've kind of changed the quote here, but it's a, it was a good quote to begin with. I hope I haven't detracted from it because I've expanded on it, but let me just read this to you. When a child of God looks into the Word of God and sees the Son of God, he or she is changed more and more by the Spirit of God into the image of God to do good works for the glory of God. As new creatures in Christ, we need to remember that we were created to glorify God by doing Spirit-empowered good works. We were made to glorify God. We're talking about, remember, the purpose. We have to know the purpose of a thing so we don't abuse it. What's your purpose? What's my purpose? Our purpose is to glorify God by doing good works. Doing spirit-empowered good deeds. It's good to meditate on the truth that now, in Christ, we are the workmanship of God. We're the, the poetry of God. And that we can rest in the confidence that he who began a good work in you will complete it in the day of Christ Jesus. So, I'll just close by stating the verse again. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Let's pray.